I'd like to begin this evening by asking you if you have any questions about your practice, anything that you would like me to talk about. I always have something I could talk about, but I'll pretend I don't have anything to say, and uh, you can help me get started. So are there any questions about your practice, about the teachings, any uh, topics that are not just theoretical, but that feel relevant to you and your, your liberation? Ideally, something about liberation here, tonight, and now. Notice what happens when I say that. Please, David. David asked about uh, a suggestion in one of the famous discourses of the Buddha called the, uh, the Anapanasati Sutta, which is the sutta on the cultivation of mindfulness of breathing. Mm. Anapanasati is mindfulness of breathing. And in that sutra it says to, uh, to arouse joy, to cultivate joy. And he says... He knows about that as in regard to uh, arousing joy while we're practicing, while we're doing formal practice. And I, I think I'd like to stop there for a moment. And I, I think it's really important to, to, know, to remember that even though the, the first noble truth is that life has a lot of things that are difficult to bear, that life has a whole measure of suffering and nobody's immune to that, and what, um, what causes our suffering is not being able, what causes our mental suffering is not being able to, to navigate with a certain balance, a certain sense of well-being, navigate the inevitable difficulties that face our life. So if you are able to navigate the inevitable difficulties in our life with an, with an open heart, with a sense of well-being, you do not have to then experience the second noble truth, which means uh, the cause of suffering is is being reactive against the the first truth. If we can't handle life, what our, our usual, our habitual reaction is to constrict, to contract, to move into a state of craving. So the first and most important thing is that we learn to create the inner conditions to be able to accommodate the first noble truth. Then we don't have to have the second one. So how do we do that? We do that by developing a very strong, steady, open-hearted, interested, joyful, aware presence. It turns out that it's very accessible to us, believe it or not. But it has become very, it's become diminished 
this aware, joyful, steady presence, it's become diminished by our by having already gotten swept up by the second noble truth, the the state of mind that's in a state the the mind that's in a state of craving, it's in a state of reaction to life. It's in the state of wanting what's not here, the state of trying to get away from what's here. So in order to balance that, in order to re- reclaim or to reawaken our, um, our natural capacity for balance, aware presence, and joy, we actually remind ourselves of these qualities. And as it happens formally in our meditation practice, we, we, give, we give special attention to several qualities that help us to reclaim or recover uh, this kind of joyful, aware presence. We give special attention to the, the quality, the capacity in every single person's mind to draw attention, to arouse attention and bring it to a, a single point, to say, bring it to a single object. And in this case, in the case of the sutra, which is a very central, um, central uh, teaching on what will help us navigate this world, what we do is we bring attention, we gather our attention. So we all have attention, we all have awareness, but it, because it's so scattered, we need to use a natural quality that we have, the same one that you use to bring focus to your work, to your creative projects, to everything that you do if you want to really do it thoroughly. You want to learn how to gather your attention. And it's called, that quality in the, in the Pali language is called vitaka. It's the gathering, it's the, it's the bringing our attention into focus. And when we bring our focus, bring our attention into focus on our body, on some kind of bodily sensation, and you do that in a continuous way, and this is in the formal practice, the effect of bringing attention together with the sensations of breathing, or really if you were to bring that attention together with the whole body in general, that coming together of mind and body produces a sense of focus, it produces a sense of calm. And you've heard the expression, a calm abiding. It allows our mind and body to come into harmony so we experience, even in the midst of all of life's difficulties, we can, in the middle of it, feel a sense of, of harmony, a sense of peace. And this is, in some way, the first doorway to one of the doorways to what the Buddha called the highest happiness, which is peace. But he didn't mean just a peaceful feeling. He meant the, an unshakable peace that, is, that, is, uh, that we can come to recognize as the, the nature of our own minds. But we start with developing those conditions that lead to a peaceful, calm abiding. In other words, in some way, a, a peaceful feeling. So we employ this simple quality that every single one of us has, this quality of gathering our attention. It's called vitaka. And then what we do is we apply a second quality, which is called vichara, which is the sustaining quality, this, the, the capacity to, to sink into and stay with an experience that you're having. So what are, what are our minds usually like? 
when we're walking around, we're like beacon heads. We're not gathered. That's why we love to sit so much, because at least for a, a little while in the span of our day, we are connecting and we are sustaining. We're sustaining our recollection, our co- connection with the felt experience of the immediate present. And even when I say that, connecting and sustaining, and I'm staying here, I notice that my mind is, is uh, I'm a little less troubled because, I'm, because if I'm con- connecting and sustaining my attention to something that's in the here and now, especially my body, and I'm not giving rise to, at least for those moments, I'm not giving rise to any, I'm not lost in thoughts of the past, I'm not lost in thoughts of the future, just here, you're just here, we're just here. Life, for at least for those moments, still life has all its difficulties, but I'm sitting in the middle of it. And, and there may not be peace in the world, but in some, mo- in some way I'm at peace with the world. And I didn't travel anywhere. And all that, all that came from was gathering and sustaining, connecting and sustaining. So these two qualities are really helpful. And these two qualities then help give rise to three more qualities that, that, um, that both deepen our sense of joy and, um, and also allow us, to again, to avoid the second noble truth, to avoid uh, being caught in the in the gerbil wheel of endless of endless wandering of of being in a constant state of dissatisfaction and waiting and hoping and expecting a constant state of of trying to um, to get on to the next thing a constant state of busyness either in our mind or in our body and these qualities that help help us um, stay here and develop that that joyful, calm abiding. is the, th- the third quality is what's called sukha. Sukha is the word for happiness or comfort. If you put your mind in your body and you sustain it, you will inevitably start to feel some comfort, some comfortable feeling. And this comfortable feeling, if you're not feeling it, you can actually invite it because it's such an unconditional quality. It is so natural to you that you have to that you can remind yourself of it. Just say the word right now, comfort. And what happens? Anybody willing to say what happens when you say the word comfort inwardly? Comfort. Pleasure. Happiness. Does it sound like a million miles away, or does it ev- in, does it evoke something in your in your heart? If it evokes something, and we may be so clouded from our from our fatigue or from the busyness of our day that we may not be able to connect with it, but if you keep practicing, just to even say that word, sukha or comfort or happiness, pleasure you will start to feel that because it's so innate in you. And the next quality 
that is born of just this simple gathering and sustaining is what David spoke about. It's called pity, or otherwise known as rapture. And rapture is sometimes associated with joy, but it's also in, in the teachings, it's a joy that comes from intense interest, from, from being, having your attention wrapped, being so immersed, so compelled by what you're experiencing that you, you, you don't want to be anywhere else. So you start to you feel this, this sense of joy. Now, if, if, uh, if you're not feeling it, you can evoke it. You can evoke it. It will inevitably flow from that state of, of, being, um, of being calm and focused, having your mind and body in harmony. Joy will arise. But the beauty of, of this kind of practice is you can arouse this quality. And, uh, and the last quality, before I I'll get back to the question about cultivating joy um, in our any time, is that the last quality that flows from simply gathering and sustaining is what's called uh, ekagata, one-pointedness. One-pointedness. We start to experience ourselves as a, um, as a single point. We feel our, and, that may, and we may have that ex- the experience when we start to touch that sense of single-pointedness of our attention not moving around, our mind not as restless, not as scattered. It just stays right here, and it, it stays there effortlessly. Can you imagine your mind just staying collected in a state of rapt attention, in a state of comfort, and feeling that that is, for a time, unshakable, where it feels like it doesn't, it just happens in a sustained way, effortlessly? This is the fruit of, of cultivating the qualities that lead to a calm abiding that lead to a capacity to be able to sit in the middle of our life and not be so moved. Not be so moved in the sense of being thrown off balance. We're, but it also creates the conditions for you to be moved by life, but more from a sense of being at that single point that allows you to feel connected to all life. The deeper meaning of that word one-pointedness, ekagata, is the one point that includes everything. And being able to, to sense that including everything satisfies the deep, deep longing in us to feel connected. I think I spoke about that last week. Maybe I do every week. So in our practice, awakening, rapture, joy, it's, it's something that we can arouse because it's an unconditional quality. It's something that flows naturally when we direct our attention moment by moment uh, into the same location as our body and renounce or abandon the imagined past and the imagined future just by staying here, staying in reality. But we will. you see sometimes as you're as you're doing your practice, that you may have this great focus. You may have this great interest. You may have this seemingly 
seeming one-pointedness, but there's a kind of dryness or a brittleness to it. Your, your mind is a little tight. So sometimes you can just invite that quality. Oh, let, let comfort and happiness or joy arise. Let, let interest arise. Let, let rapture arise. Let that feeling of, of being immersed in the reality of the present moment, let it, let it arise. Let me feel the, the, the highest potential I have to be immersed in the present moment. You can just ask yourself, and you'll notice you'll get some kind of a, a resonance with that because this immersion in the present moment is what's always happening, but you're not noticing it. And all the life that comes with, with this being connected to what I call the inexhaustible presence, it is available to you, but it's a matter of turning our attention. And joy is one of those qualities that... that is available to us, and it's simply a matter of turning our attention to it. So that can be, it's used on the cushion. It can also be done any time in our daily life. You notice that you can use a little joy. Do those things in your life that, that arouse joy. Do the things that you love to do. Make sure that you, hang on, make sure that you do your daily practice. All those practices that you do that lead to, to more joy. I, I, I don't want to get involved in, in a whole list of things that cause joy. But yes, arouse joy. Please, Madison. I want to take this into the trenches a little bit. Take it into the trenches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're jarred you're sleeping you're sleeping and then jarred awake and or somebody says something that that that's um, triggers a big reaction and then you feel blindsided. Yes, she says it seems like lightning that she goes to reactivity. How could she possibly go to what I'm describing, that calm abiding or that... You know, if if because of our uh, conditioned reactions, which is no fault of our own, which is just a function of what has has happened in our life and or what outer or inner conditions are are present, if we have uh, fallen into a, a very strong fight-or-flight reaction or aversive reaction, clearly at that moment you can't pretend that you are, you're joyful and peaceful and, and ha- experiencing a calm abiding. It's then a process of, of, um, of making, uh, of not adding to the stress that's already getting generated, not adding to the reactions that, that are already very strongly conditioning, that you want at least some way of interrupting the 
the habitual feeding of that of that uh, reaction that you're having. And so at those times you you have to and hopefully it will there will be some carryover if you're practicing this at other times, but you have to provide some kind of um, some kind of soothing at that time, some kind of loving kindness, some some kind of um, you know there's so many tools that one can use, but the, the gesture the the one that I most often use when I get really triggered is I make a physical gesture of kindness toward myself. I will rub my heart and I will I will remind myself in whatever way that I know how that I care about myself, that I'm caring about the suffering that I'm experiencing and I want to really take that in that I'm having a hard time. So that I so that I'm not I'm not meeting it with more reactivity and fear. I'm somehow providing and uh, enveloping that experience in as much of a field of of mercy and kindness that I can. And if I'm in the habit of cultivating that every day, it's more likely that that will arouse to come to the rescue in those moments when you're, when you're in a state of fight or flight. If it's very strong, I at least try to find something in my environment, either my physical or my external environment, that I can put my attention on that is not so charged. And that's... So that, so I'll either try to bring loving kindness, or I will resource in some way, like look around. Is there something here that is not so charged? And usually, I see your hand on your leg right now. Usually, even some sensation in our body is a place that we can find a little relief. Not always. Sometimes it's looking around at something, but usually there is something that is not as charged. And our psyche, our, our mind, loves to know that it's not that, that whatever reaction I'm having is not the totality of the world. And there's something about our, our mental reaction begins to ease and diminish when, we, um, when we're reminded that it's not all terrible. So that's what I would do. I, I wouldn't expect you to rest in natural great peace at that moment when you're completely reactive. You kind of have to talk yourself down, so to speak. Where were we? Oh, joy. It's funny. As soon as I said the word joy, and it really goes back to the original part of the conversation, the... I was saying that the first noble truth is that life has within it so many things that are hard to bear and nobody's immune to it. Everybody has to deal with it. And if, one, if a person can, can find peace with that, can turn toward it, can work with it moment by moment and, and, and know that whatever is presenting itself is lawful. It's it's not it. It's not as though it shouldn't be happening. It happens. If it's happening, it's it happens. But not be so surprised. Not be so um, uh, feel so betrayed by our life. Life is is tough. If we can find that harmony with what the Buddha called dukkha, that which is difficult to bear, 
there arises in us a kind of joy, strangely. And the reason I'm telling you, repeating this, is that there was a fellow who was a yogi, and he was holed up in a cave in Thailand about 30 years ago. And he was a very serious yogi on the island of Kopangan. And he was living in a cave, and he, he contracted dengue fever, and he died in the cave. And when they found his body, they found inscribed on the wall of the cave these words, Oh, what a joy to know there is no happiness in this world. Be happy. And of course, there's, obviously, there's happiness in this world, but it meant, oh, what a joy to know that there is no, there is no absolute continuous happiness in this world. To understand, to understand that life has a uh, quality of unreliability, of unsatisfactoriness to it, if you're born. And not to be so surprised by that. And to, and to find peace, find joy, uh, sitting right in the middle of it. And without this constant demand for it to be other than it is. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't when our heart is touched, go passionately out trying to alleviate suffering wherever we can. But our, the joy that that fellow was talking about is that the joy that comes from knowing that I will try everything. I, I will, it is in my nature to want everyone to be happy, but whether people or life turns out the way I want it to, it's beyond my will or wish. Life has things that are just not in my control. And to balance my caring with that quality of equanimity. Otherwise, I spend my life just buried by uh, despair for all the pain, greed for what I have, that, what I don't have, that others have. You know, it's just... We make ourselves crazy in reaction to life's difficulties. Here's uh, what... This is what city people do in reaction to life's difficulties. This is a Mark Morford article. Many of you may read his stuff. This was one, this is called Hurry Up, Get More Done, and Die. (laughs) Your terrifying word of the day is microtasking. And it comes by way of a relatively humble, ostensibly helpful article I read via one of those perky little DIY blogs that exist to tell you a million ways to tweak and hack your entire existence to gain maximum productivity, efficiency, and improved overall time management. Because, well, if that's not the true meaning of this manic American life, what is? The advice was horrifyingly simple. When you find yourself pausing in between normal projects and work tasks for anything more than, say, 30 seconds, why not take those tiny moments and, well, do more things? I mean, you're just sort of sitting there, right? What sort of things? Fast things, little things, otherwise inconsequential things you don't care about otherwise, like clearing your junk mail, refilling the stapler, 
changing your voicemail message, retweeting someone's Twitter blip, or giving a momentary damn about something you need not give a damn otherwise. But hey, what else are you going to do? Breathe? Feel? Merely exist? What are you, a hippie? It's a fascinating and, yes, terrifying idea, really, that if you could just maximize your output a little more, if you could cram into all open white space another thing to do, wow, think of all you could get done by the end of the day. Think of how much you could get checked off your list. We are, by and large, utterly terrified of silence, stillness, spaciousness, the doing of nothing so as to feel the totality of everything. Meditation for most is disquieting and strange. Deep quiet feels weird and dangerous, a void aching to be filled. The Internet has us convinced that the world is a roaring fire hose of urgent information. And if you can't swallow it all, well, something must be wrong with you. In any 48-hour period in 2010, says a stunning bit I just read in the Atlantic by way of the entrepreneur, entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneur Yuri Milner, quote, more data was created than had been created by all of humanity in the past 30,000... In a 48 period in 2010, more data was created than had been created by all of humanity in the past 30,000 years. By year 2020, the same amount of data will be created in a single hour. Go ahead, swallow hard. It's no longer possible to sit quietly on the park bench without checking your Facebook feed, chatting with Siri, and waving to the CCTV cameras. It is no longer possible to be astonished at the wonder of your footfalls along the forest path and not feel the urge to check email, find the nearest Starbucks, hipstamatic, the hell out of that beautiful fallen tree. You cannot sit still in your car along a quiet country road without the GPS beeping that you took a wrong turn on OnStar as OnStar politely blows up your car. <laughs> How easily we forget. Time expands, time contracts. Work will swell or diminish to fill a given space. You can do 10 things in an hour or one thing in 10. You can go to a meditation center for two solid weeks and do absolutely nothing but wander the grounds in silence for 12 hours, and time will look at you like you're utterly insane as your breath and body thank you for all eternity. You can, conversely, microtask until your heart implodes and time merely will laugh and snort and find some, someone else to destroy. So, this is, we're all carrying this kind of conditioning, and there is an opportunity right in the middle of it all to stop and to remember that there's a great joy in understanding life the way it is, finding peace right in the middle of it. The highest happiness is peace and that's all I have to say. Any other questions? <laughs> Please. Oh, the second half of Dave's question was about, about uh, arousing joy outside of formal practice. And I... <laughs>
You tell me. Come to Tuesday nights. <laughs> Arousing joy. There's so many ways to arouse joy. Keep good company. Practice non-harming. Practice concentration in whatever you're doing. Give your whole heart to it. We do things in a half-assed way. Excuse the expression. Do things wholeheartedly, you'll have joy. 100%. Full concentration. So the, the same vitaka, vichara, sukha, piti, ekagata, those qualities that they're aiming and sustaining and, com- and comfort and happiness and, and rapture and one-pointedness, these are all... These happen all the time. Every, every day we have the opportunity to arouse these. So don't underestimate your own capacity for this kind of uh, tranquility and well-being concentration that comes from just putting your attention here in the present moment. You'll have joy. There's no doubt you'll have joy. Life will still be tough, but you'll have joy. We'll elaborate another night. I think that's enough for tonight. Thanks for the question, and thank you for your presence, and thank you for your generosity. And let's just sit quietly for a few moments. Listen to these words from David White. This poem called Enough. Enough. These words, these few words are enough. If not these words, this breath. If not this breath, this sitting here. This opening to the life we have refused again and again until now until now. If there has been any joy, any goodness, any comfort, any blessings, any merit, any benefits that have arisen from our practice together tonight, let's offer them freely to all beings that we share this life breath with, all breathing beings, all individuals, all those in existence, all creatures, sharing the blessings of our practice and our life with a deep wish, the same wish that we have for ourselves, that all beings can have happiness and the causes of happiness increasing 
which is virtue, steadiness, open-heartedness. Deep wish that all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. Causes of suffering being non-virtue, non-presence. Reactivity. And a deep wish that all beings recognize the sacred happiness, the highest happiness that's without sorrow, here and now. And not overlook this vital point. And finally, a deep wish that all beings can grow in serenity and equanimity, able to meet the joys and the sorrows with a peaceful heart, with less reactivity, with a deep understanding of life as it is. A deep wish that all beings can know liberation of the heart, the sure heart's release. A deep wish that our life continues to be dedicated to the benefit and welfare of all beings. <clears throat> 